Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome in, everybody. This is this year man, the big dog, Joel Radwanski, and we've got a lot to talk about on a Friday. Coach isn't here. It's just me, so it's one and a half guys, and I'm like, and who is that half guy? David Olson. That would be you, the producer. Sorry, I'm calling you half a man here, but you're on the other side of the glass. I'm not afraid of you. If you were in the room, it'd be a little different. 888. Oh, excuse me, 847-470-1114 is our phone number just for today. You're talking to two guys, and I'm like, this is this year, man, the big dog, Joel Redwanski. I got Cubs talk. A little White Sox. Just a little White Sox. Going to help you out with uh, a little, just a little thing on your diet. If you do this, I guarantee you will lose weight. Talk a little bit about uh, LeBron James actually getting it done. A funny story about a baseball prospect. But most importantly, you the caller. But before we get into all the you the caller, I have got a phenomenal story about a life or death rescue on the Chicago River. Oh, don't, don't leave me with the music like that. You know it's when done. I'm in studio. It's done. You ran it out. He did, the coach does that all the time. He starts pontificating and then... Pump up the music. Well, music only lasts for two minutes. Sorry. You know, uh, in the coach and I were originally on uh, the morning break on WSBC for about nine years. We did that show, and our intros were like five minutes long. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding. When I say five minutes long, it was a two-hour show. I would look up, it'd be 10:08, and I'd be like, okay, now we're finally into the program. So we had we had a producer that literally he was there 12 hours a day, and we were the only English-speaking show. And in the 10 hours that he was there but not doing our show, he was producing our show is the best way I could tell you. He didn't really have much to do besides our show his whole entire life. It was uh, it was nice. It was nice. He, he was like a 60-year-old virgin. You know, didn't have a lot of friends, but was extremely entertaining. It, it was a, a strange combination that we had. A, you know, So that's why we had the 8-minute open. Or maybe it was a 12-minute open. I don't know, but I'm done with the open here. 847-470-1114 is the phone number today. And we're going to get into all the sports talk. And I, I definitely want to talk to all the Cub fans out there, especially in the Twitter world that I've been interacting with. Um, oh, by the way, David, your help has been dramatic. Now, I, I can only literally work on this Twitter stuff maybe at the most like five hours a week. And that is stretching it at this point. I'm, I'm lucky to get that much. And it's usually like when I'm in studio with you, and I, I'm almost at 500 followers right now, and that's not bad in about seven weeks or so when I, I, I've been doing this. So that's phenomenal. And, and, I just crossed the thousand mark, uh-huh. and I've been there a year and a half. Uh, that's okay. And that, that, is that for you, David Olson, or for the Talk Zone? That's that's for Talk Zone. Okay. I mean, I focused on Facebook for a while, and then I went back to Twitter. Okay. I mean, Twitter were up, or Facebook were over 5,000. Yeah, so. I, I, the Facebook stuff, I can't do anymore. I, I, I get on Facebook, and I just, I, I can't do it. I can't do it, folks. I just need the Twitter, bing, bang, boom, I'm done. A lot of funny stuff in between. Well, okay, well, forget the funny stuff in between. I, I got to get to this story. This is, yesterday, I had just learned 
that there was a kayaker pulled out of the river. And I didn't realize how close it was to my particular company that I, that I work for. Now, uh, b- before, did I say a kayaker pulled out of the river? Did, is that what I said? Cause that's not what happened. That is not what happened. Let me get this straight. Someone was in the river and a kayaker saved them. But before, before I get into that, we are, ext- I work at Water Riders. You can co- contact them, waterriders.com. Ask for the this year man special. Say, Hey, I listened to Joel's show. I want the special. Basically, you're going to be paying half of what everybody else does. It's we take care of you. If you're a two guys and a mic listener, if you're a this year man fan, we will always take care of you. Well, uh, we really take safety extremely seriously. And I, I can't reiterate this enough because half the people that come out there, they listen to us and they respect, Hey, you know, this could be dangerous. And especially when a 400 foot barge goes by, then they're like, everybody, all hundred percent of people are like, okay, I will, I will definitely listen to you now. I didn't realize that we were in a 75 wide, 70 foot, five foot wide river. And all of a sudden a 60 foot boat just passed through. You know what I mean? Everybody's against the wall. They listen to you then, David. It's funny how, you know, get right. They do. Well, we really, really takes it seriously. And in the, the year and a half that I've been doing this, okay, I just want to let you know, I've pulled 14 people out of the river. Most of those weren't people that were, I was kayaking with. Everybody's returned safely. Everybody afterward was like, Hey, I really felt safe, especially after seeing you get people out. Okay. So, but like, Every single doctor and smart person has ever said, and especially all of our moms, prevention is worth a heck of a lot more than the cure. I would rather not get cancer than get the cure for cancer, to, to, to be quite honest. So we try to stop people from going in, and, and we're emphatic about it, and we can't stress to people enough how dangerous that you could it could be if you're in water and messing around and doing something stupid. We've been lucky to avoid any type of crazy incident, but as you can imagine, when all of our livelihoods, and what I mean by livelihoods, I mean the owner, Charlie Portis, uh, the guy in charge of all the promotions, uh, Donnie Abrams, and me, like the operations guy. I take care, make, if it's on the water, if it's going on the water, I have to take care of all that stuff. So you could imagine, Dave, how I feel about the whole operations part. When I hear somebody flipped over in the river, I'm just like, please let it not be us. Well, to throw things into the mix, we have a lot of reliable Young men and, and and a few ladies working for us. Uh, the, we 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 need more ladies working for water riders. If you're a young lady that can kayak, can talk, and lift kayaks and carry them, we need you at water riders. We need more females around. Okay. Well, we got a bunch of college football players with us, and to be quite honest with you, I demanded a few people not to come back for this particular year, and I wanted other people back. And if you basically played college football, those were the guys I wanted around me. I don't know. They just seem to work as a team better. There's, I don't know. It's just good. Well, some of these guys are the Lieber brothers. They go to Pomona College out in Pasadena, California. Must be really rough for the kids. But they come out and they work their butts off all summer long for us. Well, their mom was walking on Wacker Drive on Wednesday, people. This is Wednesday. Now, uh, the guy, Donnie Abrams is uh, trying to cut my paycheck and he's trying to total up. I mean, it's probably in the like seven figures at this point. Okay. So it's taken Donnie a long time to figure out how much money they got to send me a check for. So he isn't at work yet. And I, one of our guys, Brian is sends out a group of two doubles. Okay. So four people, two doubles and one older gentleman in a single. Okay. So they know there's five people out, two groups, one single, two, four, two, four people. You get it. And, 
Next thing, uh, you know, Brian is sitting there. Next thing you know, Donnie runs into the office and yells, we just lost a kayaker. One of our kayakers died on the river. It's the reason why is the Lieber brothers, their mom is walking on Wacker Drive, sees a man fall into the river, okay? And what she sees is the older man just happened to be, that was kayaking with from water riders, okay, was kayaking on the river. And saw the guy fall into the river. A guy in a suit who had a seizure fell in. Well, the guy that rolls up on him, the, the kayaker, our kayaker, you know, like grabs the guy and the guy doesn't move. Okay. Well, the woman calls Donnie and says, there, you have an old kayaker on the river. He could, nobody could help. He lost him. He's dead. And basically hangs up. So now Donnie thinks, the woman basically was trying to say that the guy who fell in the river was dead and our kayaker, that was in our kayaker because it says water riders on the side, you know, couldn't help him. But she kind of messes it up and now Donnie thinks that one of our kayakers is dead on the river. Okay, I, I, Donnie is frantic now. Obviously, all of us, anybody would be, oh my goodness, what happened? You know, I can't, we take this, we always have taken it seriously. And it's funny, we get this false alarm and I can't even imagine how different it is okay well we we don't know exactly what happened Donnie comes flying downtown well what ends up happening is the the older man who had paddled up on the guy like kind of grabbed him and the guy doesn't move and he's still face down in the chicago river doing the dead float people okay so he's unconscious and it goes to show if you can't swim you just need to relax because you the guy who was not even he wasn't dead and he wasn't trying to swim but he floated so remember that if you can't swim do not panic. The more you panic and stuff, though, you're going to sink. Well, there was two, a, a group of two, okay? And one of those group of two, oh, so four. There was four people, two doubles, okay? The guy in the back was this, a young man, a young man, and he's, this guy is a man, 17 years old, Emmanuel Gomez. Notices our older, I'm getting chills right now, David. Notices... That the, the old man like freak out and come paddling real quick. And he's like, why, why is that guy paddling all fracked, freaked out? He crosses the river and his friends follow him. Okay. Why, why is him any, now Emmanuel's got his girlfriend in the front seat, which is all strange in the first place. The reason why is Emmanuel came in by himself on Monday. He's got all types of work to do this summer and bought a, uh, like, uh, bought like a U-swoop or whatever, just bought something to go kayaking with, uh, with water riders. It was supposed to thunderstorm. And we were like, we can't send you out. It's going to thunderstorm. Why don't you come back? And he's like, well, I can't. I can only come back Wednesday, blah, 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 because, and I'm working all summer. And Donnie's like, you know what? We feel bad about this. Bring a couple of your friends. It's on us. We don't want you to, we feel bad sending you home, but we can't send you out in the rain. It didn't rain. It didn't thunderstorm. This kid comes back on Wednesday with his friends and is like, you know what? Hey, it didn't even rain, but who cares? You guys were cool to me. I, I brought my friends. You know, I, I was kind of mad until I realized, hey, I can bring my friends. He was, this young man was not supposed to be there on Wednesday. Okay. He comes out on the river with his friends now. Okay. Now he's got friends with him and he's in a double instead of a single. He would have been in a single. So now he's on the river, sees this guy in the water, flies over there. Well, when he gets there, he pulls on the guy. Now he's still in a double, so his boat is still a little tippy, but it's still, it's not going to tip because he's in a double, mind you. You could not do this in a single kayak. I couldn't even do this in a single kayak. 
He sees the guy and he grabs this guy out of the water, just throws his paddle. He doesn't care at this point. He's smart enough to realize a life's more important than a paddle. Pulls the guy up and right when Emmanuel pulls the guy up, <gasps> like the guy breathes and then goes, but he's still unconscious, but somehow he, he breathes. Oh, now he's like, he's alive. He's alive. Well, the other kayak rolls up on him and grabs his kayak so he doesn't flip. Now he's able to hold the guy out of the water and he's screaming for help. Somebody call 911. We have somebody alive in the river. The, the fireboat and folks, I've been on the water when they, when they do this. It is something I haven't seen it, but I was described it and everybody said it was awe inspiring. And I've seen these guys stop like this. It is just ridiculous. They come from the south. This fireboat reaches 40 knots. And let me tell you, 40 knots on the Chicago River looks like Usain Bolt just ran in front of you. It is the fastest thing you, it's amazing how fast boats on water go. These guys come up to South Branch, take a right, go right up the river and avoided somebody. Somebody said that the, whoever was driving that boat, it was like Jimmy Johnson on the racetrack. Okay. Right when they get to the guy, they didn't waste any time. Okay. They knew exactly where the guy was, exactly where he was by the LaSalle Street Bridge. Come, they didn't stop at all. They just flied up and then the guy turned the boat at full speed and stopped it. He was literally like six feet away from the guy. They pulled the kayak up, get the guy out, and now the guy's in critical condition in the hospital. Okay. But it's all because a kid, a 17-year-old man, realized something was wrong, got there, and forgot everything. And just just didn't care. Oh, the Chicago water, river water is nasty. Well, if you've been if you've been in your neighbor's pool and they have children in it, Parts per million, it's nastier than the Chicago River. I, I promise you that. Okay? And to save this man's life, he wasn't supposed to be there, David. You know, and I had a real, real skeptical friend. He says, he says to me, well, that guy was supposed to die. Can't, can't, you know, you know, he did the whole thing. The guy wasn't supposed to be there. Okay? You know, but, uh, my thing is he was sent home for a reason on that Monday. This kid comes back. He's graduating from high school. This week, uh, when coach is on this week, I'm going to get, we got his email and stuff. We'll, I'm going to get the kid on uh, just to thank him. I, I, I've, I'm going to get the Twitter account. It's from Sarah Butler. I, I'll put it out there. The picture is the, somebody was probably at Fulton's having lunch and took a picture. Uh, no joke, folks. The kid is in a kayak holding somebody who's in the water out of the water to keep him so the guy can continue to breathe. It's and the, the look on his face is you should, the look on his girlfriend's face. He's she's just like my boyfriend's a stud is all she looks like. It's freaking awesome, guys. If it, it's not the highest quality picture, there I, I haven't seen a better picture in from just a just a guy on the street, person on the street, Sarah Butler. So uh, it's Sarah with an H Butler Twitter. So if you want to check out her account, she put it out on Wednesday. Absolutely phenomenal, folks. So. Uh, 847-470-1114. Quite, I mean, just a story. So I just want to remind everybody, everybody that the Chicago River is safe. Okay. So like, like if you're, a, the kayaker was the one who saved a person who wasn't in a kayak. Let's, let's remind that because people yesterday, I heard there was an incident with a kayaker on the river. Is it safe? And it's, you know, this is, this is my livelihood. We need as many people out there as possible. I promise you. That when you come to water riders and you go out on the river, we take your safety with the utmost responsibility. Okay. And, uh, 
we want to make sure everybody gets home safe and all that. So I just, I just want to clarify that, but it's just an amazing, an amazing day. And it, it's funny. Obviously we did nothing wrong and it would, and it was the kayaker who saved him. But after that incident, like we, we always go over all of our safety stuff all the time. We, we go to East Bank. We train on getting people out of the water into their kayaks, all kinds of stuff. But you know, after this happens, we, another reminder, Hey, we got to make sure we're on the ball. And doing things the right way, because you just never know uh, when you're out on the Chicago River. So 847-470-1114, and uh, just quite a day, quite a day when, I, 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 just blown away, blown away. I, I, I didn't know what the whole story was. You know, Wednesday, I actually kind of had a day off, and, you know, they I, I got a bunch of emails from people at work, and I didn't, you know, I was like, oh, I don't want to feel like reading anything in the Tribune. Oh, what the, is the Kennedy family purchased something else and is, you know, building another building downtown. That's all I thought. But I, I do want to take it out of this. If you weren't here yesterday, my mom called me and her words were, are you okay? That's when I answered the phone. Yeah, mom. You, you weren't in the river, almost drowned and died today. Were, were you? No, mom. No, I, that wasn't me. Oh, okay. Just checking. My mom thinks, you know, Forget that I'm a professional kayaker get paid for it. It would be me that was the one getting pulled out of the river, according to my mom, just just to let you know. I was not happy about that. That that's that my mom thinks so low of me that she would think I would actually that would happen to me. There's other reasons, like I say in the health reasons why she 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 freaks out, but still, mom. It, it hurts a little bit. You gotta have a little bit more confidence in your son because I'm not about to flip my kayak. I mean, you are Mrs. This Year, man. You should be able to figure that out by now. Eight four seven four seven zero eleven fourteen. Uh before we get into all the the baseball world, I do want our, our our Cub fans out there to to give us a call and we could talk some Chicago Cub baseball. The Heat and Thunder played a phenomenal game last night and and all of a sudden everybody's on the LeBron James bandwagon again. Uh I you know what I've I've always wondered about his his clutch play and all that, but yesterday LeBron James coming through with some free throws, and and that might sound a little crazy, but if there's anybody out there who you worry about on the free throw line and whether or not like they're clutch, it's like LeBron James. It's actually news if he hits free throws late in the game. You know, did he hit jump shots? Because uh, did he did he play like a skilled game in the fourth quarter? That's always been the question about him. He because you know he is the greatest player on the planet, but can he come through in the fourth quarter? Well, him and Kevin Durant put on a display yesterday in the fourth quarter. Uh, the Thunder makes a huge rally. The Heat hold them off. LeBron James hits his free throws, and, and the Heat have tied it up 1-1. And it truly was a must-win game for the Miami Heat. They did not want to go down 2-0, even though they were going back for, for three games in Miami. They were not going to end up winning all, all three of those. So uh, Miami Heat definitely saved their season last night, and uh, – now LeBron James is a hero today. We'll see what happens after game three because you know what happens? Right now everybody's agreeing that, oh, LeBron James is best in the world. Is, is he over the hump? Is he, is he finally made it? He's no longer, you know, bad in the fourth quarter. If he miss, he could score 25 points in the next fourth quarter and then have him miss a jump shot and the, have the heat lose by one and all of a sudden he's not clutch anymore and it goes right back to Kevin Durant's greatest player in the world and, uh, and uh, LeBron James is the best player in the world for the first, uh, you know, 44 minutes of the game, and then after that, he, he's not so good. So that's just the, the world of social media and the hot and cold that LeBron James is going to have to deal with forever, forever. So Heat and Thunder uh, actually is a series one-one. Talk about like hot and cold, and they love you one minute, hate you the next. Uh, Tiger Woods in the U.S. Open, and my. 
What is it with the U.S. Open and the British Open where every single year the first round has somebody we've never heard of who's actually leading the tournament? Uh, maybe uh, some diehard hockey, oof, hockey golf fans actually know who Michael Thompson is. I never heard of the guy. The guy was leading for the first like like 12, 13 rounds of the tournament yesterday. But uh, Tiger Woods starts out slow, uh, much better second half of the day. Uh, actually shoots, was he one under or one over? He's uh, he's a couple back uh, of the leader. But uh, last week, everybody's just assuming, oh, he's going to come in and dominate and win the U.S. Open because he won his, his last tournament. Uh, I think we're all going to have to realize that Tiger Woods can, maybe he can still be the best golfer in the world. Maybe he can still kind of be the favorite, but he's no longer the prohibitive favorite where you just expect him and to be around on, on the final day. He has to play well, and he's never going to dominate. He's never going to run away with tournaments again. Uh, and he's really going to battle if he's ever going to want to break Jack Nicholas' record of, of 18 majors. But th- that U.S. Open yesterday, some of, that's some of the craziest it's some of the craziest holes I've ever seen on a, on a golf tournament. I know the U.S. Open always tries to outdo themselves with, you know, they, they got the rough that looks like uh, you're in the, the middle of central Illinois with prairie grass, you know, up to your your neck. Uh, but, you know, real narrow fairways, all that. Well, this year, some of the stuff they've done, they have a par four that is reachable with one shot. I'm not sure how far it is, but it's, it's a reachable par four. But if you don't reach it, you have a chance to go in. If you try to reach it and don't reach it, you got a chance of going like eight over on that hole. Uh, and they also have a par five that's 673 yards long. I can get there in two, about two weeks. I'd be able to get there. 673 yards. I mean, how, how can you possibly, it's, you have to hit one about 380 yards and then you got to get out your, I don't even know. I don't know golf that much. What do you get out your your one iron? You get out your three wood. You get out your one wood, and just whack it again. And, and you just automatically say, "Hey, I'm going to just power this hole and just try to move on." 670 yards. That's just. I guess they're hitting it so far nowadays with the new equipment. It's not that big of a deal. When uh, I, I was talking to some like avid golfers yesterday, and they're like, "Yeah, for a prof- professional golfer, they can still get there in two. I'm, that's just mind boggling. I, I remember like. Um, Every single par five was, you know, like around 480 plus, but anything over like 550 yards, you were just like, what? And about 10 years ago, somebody had a 600 yard one. And I remember, well, it's downhill, so it's okay. And it was like at the, the Hawaii, uh, golf, the big Hawaii golf tournament that they have every year. What is the kick a Kalea or a Kamanawanale or something like that? I'm not sure what it, what it, that one is, but 670 yards, just absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. I, I, I don't understand. And sometimes you get too cute as a golf tournament. You got something for me, David? Yeah, but I mean, with the 670 yards, they've got those, those, they got those obnoxious drivers now, which are the size of like this, the heads are like the size of this mic. Uh huh. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they're the the titanium alloys or whatever, and it's just, I, I don't think they should allow those things on tour. Yeah. Personally. And uh, when somebody brought up the 670 yard, uh, this isn't my thought because I, I don't golf enough, but this really, really hit home with me. Um. They were they were like, you know what? And don't forget the balls that they have nowadays. They're like, those balls are ridiculous. And one of those guys, it was pretty funny because these guys are having an argument. They were both one percenters. And one of them is donating big-time money. I was in the East Bank Club, and I was overhearing a, a conversation. I won't give out names. But 
One of them is they're both one percenters, and one was a big Obama contributor, and the other one was a big Romney contributor. And they the the how they were making fun of each other, absolutely brilliant, David. I wish I could give their names out and talk about it. It was funny. I, it was just absolutely ridiculous how funny these guys were making fun of each other. And I'm like, man, they're both right. They are both exactly right. And uh, it was, I wish I could just say, Coach wouldn't like it because I think I was leaning more towards rooting for the Romney guy, but there's no question and that. But they brought up the fact of how expensive these balls are because the balls are so good now. The balls are just absolutely ridiculous. Some of these balls that like Nike and Tylus have are like $20 a piece. And the guys were like, hey, do you know why you go out and get yourself a $100 caddy? Because you're going to lose five balls in the water right there. That saves how many balls you're going to lose in the water. Because caddies will be like, don't hit it here, hit it there. Uh, $20 balls, that's how much the top balls are today for a golfer? How, how far do these things go? Do they have wings on them? You hit them and they just go in the air and they fly to, to exactly where you want to hit them? I, I know $20 doesn't get you what it used to nowadays. You know, like $20 when I was, you know, 30 years ago when I was a kid, I could feed myself at McDonald's for a week on $20. Now $20, I would never go to McDonald's, but that's like one meal at a, at a decent restaurant. So, you know, like times have, have, have completely changed, but for a golf ball, do you know how easily their last, if I, legitimately, if I bought a $20 golf ball, I would lose it on the first hole. David, the first hole, or I'd make it on the first hole, and I would probably birdie it. I'd, that'd be like the second or third birdie I've ever had in my life. And then I'd be all happy about it. And then on the second hole, on the first shot, it would go into a water. That's why I don't buy sunglasses. People are like, oh, buy these are great sunglasses. Don't buy those cheap ones. Why? I'm throwing money away. I, if I buy a $10 pair of sunglasses, they won't last me a week. So, oh, my goodness, $20 golf balls. I was just shocked. I just dropped my head. There's, there's no reason. And I'm like, you mean $20 for like a four-pack? They're like, no, no, no. Those four-packs are like $70 now for the top, top Titleist and Nike and some other ever pro or whatever the heck those things are called. My goodness. I mean, I, I just can't imagine spending that much money on on a golf ball. But then again, you know what? I, I don't have money to go golfing and spend. You know, these guys are talking about, hey, yeah, we, we played that golf course. We had to buy a 10-pack for it. It was $250 per. So $2,500 these guys go spend on a round of golf for, for them and nine other their friends. I guess they can spend $20 on a golf ball, I guess. But golf, I guess, is for people with some serious, serious money. 847-470-1114. And talk about serious, serious money. We're going to change the, the, the conversation of baseball. Two of the biggest franchises in terms of money are the, are the Chicago Cubs and the, and the Red Sox Nation, the Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox come to Wrigley Field. You gotta love that. I think this is only their second time coming to Wrigley Field. I do remember a couple of years back, uh, the Red Sox coming to town. Uh, but it's the, the meeting, the, the reunited of, uh, the Red Sox Nation and, and Theo Epstein. And, and Theo has said everything right. You know, it's not his fault. He's not exactly bringing it up when, Reporters are in his face constantly asking him questions. You gotta speak on it. So you gotta say the right thing. And, uh, he hasn't ripped Larry Lucchino, even though Larry Lucchino has kind of blamed Theo Epstein for the, for the issues that the Red Sox have. Uh, the Red Sox are 31 and 32, game below 500. They have, I do believe, the second highest payroll in baseball. It might be the third. The Angels may have passed them in, in this offseason. Uh, but they have spent a heck of a lot of money. And when you're 31 and 32 and have almost $200 million in payroll, uh, I might be able to get their exact payroll up here in a second. But, you know, the people in Boston, you know, aren't very happy. This is a team in fourth place last year 
a lot of people call them one of the best teams in Major League Baseball. Yet uh, at the beginning of the year, and then they start out horrible, and then they finish even worse. Well, this year, you know, it hasn't been much better for them. And their issue has been their starting pitching. They really haven't got any starting pitching yet this year. Uh, the best way I can tell you is Clay Buckles has been their best pitcher all year. He's seven and two. He's got a 5.38 ERA. Uh, he's not going to continue to be seven and two if his ERA, like winning at a, at a 77% clip. If his ERA stays uh, above five, that's absolutely ridiculous. And other guys that they've that they've really counted on this on uh, this year, like uh, the Josh Becketts of the world, uh, they have not performed. So uh, the Red Sox are going to have to figure something out. But they have blamed Larry Lucchino has basically, you know, sometimes people will say stuff and it's an insinuation and it's obvious, and you're like, okay, he just didn't have enough guts to say, oh, it was Theo's fault, Theo has been blamed by Larry Lucchino. Like, I'm glad he's gone, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, he didn't really start saying this until the the Cubs and the Red Sox figured out what the uh, what the Red Sox, what the Cubs are going to give the Red Sox in terms of uh, the, the, the package after Theo signed with the Cubs because there was still a year left with the Red Sox. But Lucchino basically came out just blaming, oh, the, we're in this bad situation because uh, Theo Epstein basically gave away all of our prospects and traded for a bunch of pitchers that haven't been good or signed pitchers like John Lackey to a horrible contract. Yes, I, I will admit that Lackey contract was was not a very smart contract that, that Theo signed. But if you look at some of these moves, they really did help the Red Sox win two World Series championships. That's all that if the if Theo is with the Cubs for ten years, okay, and the Cubs have three winning seasons and in the 10th year before we're sick of Theo and he has to get out of town, they are absolutely horrible and barren. But in one of those three winning seasons, they win the World Series. Theo, you did your job. Okay, so these Red Sox fans that are saying, look at how horrible our organization, the, the, the state that it's in. You know what? Your everyday lineup is freaking good, okay? And these pitchers should be better. John Lester, Josh Beckett, Daniel Bard. All these guys, Clay Buckles, they should all be better than how they've pitched so far this year. So for Red Sox Nation to be boo-hooing and complaining what Theo has done to their beloved Red Sox team, i got to tell you this. You have two World Series rings, okay? And a lot of that has to do with with him being willing to part with supposedly untouchable-type players. And if you look at some of the guys that they have given away, they gave away a Hanley Ramirez. Yes, uh, Hanley Ramirez for three years was awesome, Okay. Well, during those years that he was awesome, think about what uh, Orlando Cabrera and all the different shortstops that have played. They didn't get that for for uh, uh, Ramirez. There was pitchers and other stuff that that they got for Ramirez. But the point is they were able to fill the shortstop void. Right now, do you think the Red Sox really want Hanley Ramirez? Do you think they want to pay $15 million a year who's going to hit 250 Okay, it's funny, all these trades that, that panned out a couple of years ago, now when the Red Sox are like going through a hard time, everybody's upset. You know, it's a little different in Cub Nation. You, you think about some of the, the trades that the Cubs have made that basically cost them a lot of talent and a couple really good players throughout Major League Baseball. Cubs never won a World Series, so what did those trades actually do for the Cubs? It really didn't do anything. A- at this point, what does 2007 and 2008 mean for the Chicago Cubs? Who cares if they had the, the best record in the National League in 2008? They were swept out of the playoffs by the Dodgers. 
So uh, when I hear Red Sox Nation complaining about Theo Epstein, and I think it's a little bitterness. It's basically the fact, oh, you want it out of town? You, you didn't want to be here anymore? Oh, okay, Cub fans, see what you get. So all of a sudden, Red Sox Nation, I've had a lot of Red Sox fans, and these are friends of mine. And there's never been bitterness or hatred towards the Cubs whatsoever. For some for some weird way, Red Sox fans and Cub fans kind of had some kinship for the years of suffering that, that we've gone through. And a lot of my Red Sox fans, hey, if, if we're not going to win it, I want you guys to win it so you can finally uh, get it done. But still, without question, you're still a Red Sox fan. And now that Theo has kind of chosen the Cubs over the Red Sox, feel like there's a little animosity. And, and a lot of these Red Sox fans have, like, taunted me. Oh, yeah, you got Theo. You wanted him so bad. You guys think he's any good? Look what he's done to our organization. Well, like I said, when you say that, if you actually have the quote, look what uh, Theo did to the organization, I want to remind you, 2004 and 2007. And you can say, oh, 2004, a lot of the nucleus was there. There were a lot of additions in 03 and 04 that had a lot to do with the Red Sox winning. And basically, Red Sox Nation, you were were ungrateful to what Theo did for you, and you basically ran Terry Francona out of town. Well, guess what? You got the smartest man in the world, Bobby Valentin, running your running your uh, baseball team right now. How's that working out for you? Be careful what you wish for. You just might get it. And and I know the Cubs are absolutely horrible. I absolutely love what they've done this year in terms of personnel because this team is putrid, and they've admitted it. And Theo has said the right things. He has said stuff like, sometimes you have to rip off the scab in order uh, and deal with the pain in order to, to let stuff heal and, and make it right. And I, that is exactly right about this team. I really like what the Cubs are doing. And, and Red Sox Nation, I, I, I will tell you this. If Josh Beckett starts pitching or continues to pitch like he has the last three or four times out, if you actually let Daniel Bard get in the starting rotation or make him the eighth inning guy, make your mind up about Daniel Bard. Uh, and if Clay Buchholz actually starts pitching like a, like he should, all of a sudden Theo Epstein isn't that much of an idiot because if you look at the Red Sox everyday lineup, Adrian Gonzalez, Dustin Petroya, the Alcevas, Kevin Euclid, it's a pretty good, that's a pretty good infield. David Ortiz as your, as your DH. You know, Carl Crawford, okay, that was a bad signing. John Lackey, that was a bad signing. The rest of the stuff is, they've got a pretty good team built around them. Don't forget, Middlebrooks, the, their number one prospect. Who brought that guy up? Who was the guy that picked him? Theo Epstein. So when I, when I see this, sometimes I get a little upset. Boston Red Sox Nation, I, you waited so long for a World Series. And, and I'm not saying just because you've won, you should be happy and you should be content. But sometimes I think you should really take a, a better look at, at what you had. You had something pretty good. You shouldn't be ripping uh, uh, Theo Epstein. So 847-470-1114. Just wanted to vent a little bit on, on the Chicago Cubs. Now, uh, the Chicago Cubs, I for some reason, I have a feeling that they're going to play well against the Boston Red Sox. I really feel like they're going to win this series. And as a matter of fact, they're, they're taking on Daisuke Matsuzaka, who's – Got a 720 era. He's barely pitched this year for for the Boston Red Sox. You know that was another uh, Theo Epstein signing. You know maybe that isn't going to work out. Throws the gyro ball, the, the perfectly straight pitch that seems to be hit out on a rope all, all the time against them. Um, the Cubs have a real good shot at winning that game. Uh, Ryan Dempster goes to the mound for the Chicago Cubs this so far, and he's so far this year. Ryan Dempster has been nothing but extremely good on pretty much every single outing but one when he got lit up earlier in the year. And, of course, 
that was the outing that he actually got some run support as a as a pitcher. But he's two and three this year. His ERA is like two point three something. Um, as a Cub fan, really hope he puts a phenomenal effort against the Red Sox. So the Red Sox start thinking, hey, you know what? Maybe this guy would be a nice addition to the to the starting rotation for the second half. And uh, that would be really good for the Cubs. Well, it would be nice to see uh, Ryan Dempster as uh, as a starting pitcher for the Boston Red Sox in the second half. Because I guarantee you one thing: the Red Sox will give up a lot of prospects because they need a starting pitcher. They're not that far back in the in the American League East, folks. Uh, even though they're 31 and 32 and in fourth place, don't forget there's going to be two wild card teams. Okay, and right now they're six and a half back of the Yankees. Now. Uh, they're four back of the Blue Jays and they're six back of the Orioles. So there's three teams ahead of them, but still, I, I think they can make a run on on the Toronto Blue Jays or the Baltimore Orioles. Believe, oh, excuse me, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Toronto Blue Jays, they're tied with uh, Boston in uh, for fourth place at 31 and 32. The the AL East is up for grabs, but one thing we do know: Boston Red Sox fans will not let this team sit pat. They will demand. A move, and then if the move doesn't work out next year, they'll blame the GM that they they traded away a bunch of prospects for a guy that was only average. So we'll see, because you know the Red Sox fans can never be content. But this game is actually big for Chicago Cub fans. I, I'm not kidding you. Like I want to just remind everybody, the white uh, the the Red Sox need a pitcher. This is an audition for Ryan Dempster. So in, in some weird way, this is an extremely big game for the Chicago Cubs. Hopefully, they'll get it done. Now, the Chicago White Sox just got done losing to the St. Louis Cardinals. Come on, White Sox are playing the Cardinals. I was actually rooting for you the last three games. And uh, uh, yesterday, uh, uh, Jason Mott comes in and saves the game for, for the St. Louis Cardinals. You know, ye- yesterday I was talking about what a great job Lance Lynn has done for the Cardinals. How about Jason Mott? About a year ago, right around this time, he was, wasn't named the closer, but he became the closer for the St. Louis Cardinals. Cardinals go on a run. He's just absolutely phenomenal all the way through the second half of the season, through the playoffs, is dominant. Uh, when the World Series is over, after they win, St. Uh, Saint Tony, uh, St. Abner, the guy who thinks he invented baseball, Tony La Russa, comes out and jokingly names Jason Mott the closer for the 2012 season. He figured it was, it was about time after they won the World Series. Well, he's been the closer this year, and a little injury problems early on in the year, but he's been dominant again. And the the Cardinals beat the the White Sox five to three. Uh, the White Sox are a game and a half above the Cleveland Indians. They're four games uh, ahead of the Tigers. You know what? They are just trucking along. It's no longer a surprise. They keep on winning. And and to be quite honest with you, I don't think that they're going to slow down anytime soon. Now today. You talk about a pitching matchup of some of the greatest young-handed, left-handed pitching in the game. You're talking about Clayton Kershaw, who is the reigning National League Cy Young Award winner, and also Chris Sale. You might not want to call him great, but let's face it, he's only been in the major leagues for two years. He's 23 years old, and he's the reigning American League Pitcher of the Month. So these are some of the top left-handed pitchers in the game. Uh, the White Sox go out to Los Angeles for a, a, a series with the Dodgers. Chris Sale versus Clayton, uh, uh, Clayton Kershaw. You can't get much better of a matchup than that. The Dodgers have uh, a 40 and 24 record, which is uh, the best record in the in the National League. They have been absolutely phenomenal all season long, and they've been good lately. Even though Matt Kemp 
has been in and out of the lineup with injuries, and they've continued to truck along. Uh, they've gotten they've gotten a lot more pitching besides just with Clayton Kershaw, and uh, uh, Andre Ethier has been absolutely brilliant, smacking the ball around the park for uh, for the Los Angeles Dodgers when Matt Kemp has not been in the lineup. So uh, that should be a really really good series for the for the Chicago White Sox. They start out at, at nine at nine ten tonight Central Time, and I do believe. That was the ninth. Well, I don't believe. I know it was the 1959 World Series matchup. So I'm sure there'll be references back to the the, the Chicago White Sox back then. Uh, Al Smith getting a beer dumped on his head after a home run in the 1959 World Series that was played at Old Comiskey and also the L.A. Coliseum. That was right before uh, Dodger Stadium opened in 1962. So you always got to love the interleague matchups that are. Uh, old World Series matchups, because at least that way there's there's some type of tie-in. Now uh, the Indians, who uh, who are um, right behind the White Sox, they've been playing pretty decent lately, but they cannot get any hitting. They've been getting some pretty decent pitching, but not the hitting. So uh, now uh, Colorado goes into Detroit, so Detroit's going to win some games. Colorado has not been good, and Pittsburgh goes into Cleveland. Now for the Cleveland matchup. We got uh, James McDonald, who's been phenomenal for the Pirates, and, and for the Indians, it's been Dustin Masterson. So uh, there's a chance that the Pittsburgh Pirates, who've been playing really good baseball, if they could win some games against the Indians, and, and the White Sox can play pretty good baseball against the Dodgers. They have a chance to win some games against them, but they won't be gaining against the Tigers. The Rockies have been bad. And if there's a team that the Rockies can make some ground up, I mean, the, the Tigers can make some ground up against, it's going to be the Colorado Rockies. So eight four seven. Four seven zero eleven forty four. So we've been all over the place today, talking, uh, saving people out of the Chicago River, and um, uh, just proud of my man Emmanuel Gomez, seventeen uh, year old young man pulling somebody out of the river uh, in the water riders kayaks, which I, I thoroughly appreciate. Heat thunder, uh, and then talking a little baseball. Now I want to go into the, the health and fitness tips. Now I've been helping people out dramatically over over my life. I used to work at the North Shore Valley Total Fitness. I sold memberships there. I was the only guy that they had in the whole Chicago region who was both a a sales guy and a, a personal trainer. And I've I've helped a lot of people lose weight. I had a, one of my buddies, Russ, uh, I, I helped out. He started following everything I told him to do. He was one of the few people that I was, I was like, you got to do everything I tell you to do. He was 367 pounds. And he had he was over 45% body fat. We really couldn't tell anymore because he was so fat at this point that he may have been over 50, but he was definitely plus 45. Well, within a year, folks, within less than a year, it was like actually 10 months, he went from 367 to 247, so 120 pounds, and his body fat percentage was below 20%. So he went from a big tub of goo, and if you're upset, I say that I'm sorry, but that's he doesn't mind me saying that. He was a big tub of goo who literally could barely get to the gym to start exercise, exercising, let alone exercising, to a year later was taking 75-pound dumbbells, uh, bench pressing them, and then doing all kinds of other stuff, and then at the end doing his cardio to work out to, to burn his fat. And, well, uh, at this point, just to let you know, that was a, a year later. He is now down to about 208 pounds, and his body fat percentage is below 15 He's absolutely jacked and he just, he's been doing everything that I, that I've done. If you listen to these, to these shows, I always give you a, a different hit. Well, one of the things, uh, that he just recently started doing was the seven color diet. 
And what I mean by seven color diet is, uh, there is a way to eat that will do a couple things for you. One, and, and, and I don't know if this is most important. This is because it depends on you, the body. When everyone's like, oh, this is most important to do this, A and B and C, and it's in this order. Not always. People are different. You know, to be quite honest with you, I have a, a, a more, like a higher uh, metabolism. If I do any type of workouts, I know it's, it's easier for me. So uh, there's certain things that are a lot easier for me and maybe a little bit harder for me. Like right now, if anybody wanted to run up a hill and train to run up a hill, I, I will beat you. If you're out there and you're like, hey, I want to run a marathon, Joel, 99% of you would probably be better suited to run a marathon where I'm more suited to sprint and run up hills and do power type stuff. You know, So it all depends on the person. But without question, everybody out there needs to follow the seven-color diet. And why you need it will be different for each one of you. And what I mean by seven-color diet, you can Google this and get this information. But one of the most important deals, and I'm going to get in what seven-color diet does, but here's the two most important things. If you have the seven-color diet, you will get all the vitamins and minerals your body needs. That will make you healthier. You'll be sick less often. Okay? You will, your metabolism will run better. Okay? You will actually have a lot more energy. If you have more energy, you're more likely to work out. You're more likely to work out longer. If you are more likely to work out, you'll live longer. If you work out a little bit longer, you'll live longer. You'll be healthier. Your body fat percentage will go down. And another thing will happen if you eat the seven color diet. And I'm going to get into exactly what it is in a second. You will have less hunger pains. Should think about that. When you are starving, when you're hungry, you're like, oh, wow, I just had, I can't believe that, about an hour and a half ago, I, I just ate a bunch of blah, blah, blah. Well, if you ate a bunch, if you ate a hamburger and fries and it was a lot of calories and you're wondering why an hour and a half later you're, you're still kind of hungry, yet you feel lethargic, the reason is your body isn't craving calories. Most of the time, when you are craving for food, your body isn't craving calories. It's legitimately craving vitamins and minerals. Okay, if you eat a pound of potato chips, well, you know what? A pound of food is probably enough for you, but somehow you're still kind of hungry, but you still feel stuffed and you don't know why. Because your body needs a lot more vitamins and minerals than a bunch of white potatoes fried in grease is going to give you. Okay, so the point is the seven color diet will give you all the vitamins and minerals that you need and it will help you with your hunger pain. So what is the seven color diet? Folks, it's pretty simple. I do want you to Google this, and you can get all the different information of what it is. But it legitimately is the seven different colors of fruits and vegetables skins. And I said fruit and vegetable. So brown doesn't count as red meat seared, okay? That's not brown. That's red meat, okay? If you eat chicken, that does not count as a white. Fish is not a white. Those are proteins and stuff. You can get vitamins and minerals from those too, okay? It's just the uh, the vitamins and minerals you get from all the fruits and vegetables. So those different colors are this. Dark green, you can just go with green, okay? The other one is light green. So just say you eat broccoli. The stalks are light green. Those will give you the light green vitamin and minerals you, that you need. The dark green ones will come from the, uh, celery, the broccoli tips. So just to let you know, 90% of the, the of the vitamins that are in broccoli are in the stock. And stock doesn't taste good unless you cook it. So cook your broccoli stock. That's actually a lot better for you. Now, the other colors are this. They're pretty simple. Red, orange, 
like a carrot, beta carotene, yellow, a squash, that type of stuff. One, two, three, four, five. White. So you're talking like your cauliflowers, okay, your onions, okay? And the last one we mix all into a, like a one jumble, one, two, three, is going to be the purple, okay? But the purple goes into like uh, the maroon or like the red raspberry type stuff, like the berries is what I'm getting at, the reds and purples. So like the purples will be like your eggplants, the raspberries, the that that type of stuff. Now, what ends up happening is the reason why you got to get all these different colors, the dyes in your food are what actually give you your vitamins and minerals. I know that might blow everybody away, but you need to learn this, people. You need to learn this. When people say eat a colorful diet, eat colorful salads, the reason why is if you had three peppers, an orange pepper, a red pepper, and a yellow pepper, you can look at those peppers and There'll be a little bit difference in uh, an orange pepper might have a little bit more sugar in it than a yellow pepper. It's a little bit sweeter, okay? Uh, the red pepper usually has a little bit more of dietary fiber in it. But if you look at it, there'll be different types of vitamins in it. And you're like, why is there so much more vitamin B in the orange pepper compared to the yellow pepper? You're like, they're the same exact thing. They're just, you would think that the peppers had the same uh, had the same vitamins in them. They have similar ones, but they're not exactly the same. You get the vitamins from the dyes. So you're going to get a different vitamins from an orange pepper as you would a yellow pepper. So the point is, if throughout the day you eat dark greens, spinach, you eat light greens, whatever, celeries, and, and like a broccoli stalks, carrots, and then a squash or yellow peppers, and then you have the, the white, you get your onions and your, 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 uh, your cauliflower. What else is a, is a white vegetable, Dave? That's the one I have issue with is trying to get enough white into my diet. I know, and it's the skins of it too. So it's more skin is where the di- where it's, it's where it's at. Okay. Well, you got you got cauliflower. Mm-hmm. Um, you got onions, mm-hmm. parsnips. Okay, parsnips. That's a good one. Okay. Uh, and, 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 and it's the skin people. So now uh, now browns have like their own like there's a lot of niacin in brown type stuff but there's not a lot of browns and white potatoes don't have a lot of other things so it's like they have this weird category for brown i'm just trying to find out more stuff than white because uh like the white potatoes you know the 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 vitamins aren't actually in the white part of the potato but like sweet potatoes the, the orange skins have ridiculous amounts of like beta carotene and all the vitamin b's and stuff that you would want out of an orange vegetable cheesy bananas are white Oh, so that's part of the the white vegetables that's, on that thing. That's a white. Well, this is what they have listed. Okay, it's a white vegetable. Okay. Uh, bananas, brown pears, brown pears. Pears are great for you if you are fighting cholesterol and and and, and high blood pressure stuff. Eat pears. You can't get enough pears, people. Honestly, it's, they're phenomenal for you. Garlic, ginger, kohlrabi, mushrooms, mm. onions, parsnips, parsnips, shallots, turnips, white corn. White nectarines, white peaches. Oh, excellent, excellent stuff. So uh, I've been adding more mushrooms into my diet, and the white peaches, when they're in season, those things are phenomenal. When they're not in season, do not eat them. They're like legitimately like there's just like texture, and that's all you get. Okay, thank you for the white. Those are the hardest ones for people is to find out uh, which one of those are. Uh, hopefully you like garlic, people, because you put a little bit of that. It's so good for your heart. It's good for your brain. It's good for your memory. But the seven-color diet is imperative. If you can get all seven of these colors in your diet throughout the day, 
your body will run, it'll function better, okay? Uh, you don't have to worry about taking multivitamins. Multivitamins are good, but the one thing multivitamins don't have are precursors. And what precursors are, are the things in your food that allow you to, to eat it. The best way I can say is, um, you know, everybody can hit a baseball. If you're a baseball player, you can hit a baseball, but you need a bat in order to actually hit the ball, okay? Well, sometimes, you know, we all need beta carotene, but sometimes there's actually chemicals in the food that your body has to have in it to absorb the beta carotene, if you get what I get. There's precursors that your body needs. And a lot of times, if you take these multivitamins, they don't have the precursors. So, yes, it has, you know, so-and-so micrograms of riboflavin. Well, your body doesn't have, unless it has something in your body that can absorb the riboflavin, your body won't absorb the riboflavin. So you do absorb some stuff out of multivitamins, but if you eat it in foods, if you eat your vitamins in food, you absorb a lot more of the vitamins. So that's why I'm telling you, the seven-color diet will do so much for you. It will help you lose weight. It will help uh, create hunger, uh, stop hunger pains. It will give you more energy. It will uh, give you, you'll be sick a lot less. And I lived this way for years. And then I got involved where I was working downtown. I had somebody who refused to ever cook a meal. And instead of, like, I was demanding, no, I'll go make food, go buy. No, no, we're going out. And sometimes I've learned it's better just to deal with something than argue. Well, I started realizing I just kept getting fat and fat and fat. I wasn't eating this way. Now what I do every single morning, David, I make a spinach salad with carrots, orange, and uh, yellow and red peppers, okay, a little mushroom in there for a little white, okay, sometimes a little garlic, like you're saying. I make sure all seven colors, the broccoli stalks are in there. I put the broccoli stalks in my eggs before I cook them, and then I'll add the one of the best foods you can eat is chickpeas or garbanzo beans, however you want to pronounce it, if you want to get ripped in jack. I eat one of these salads every single day. I always have a big protein in there, whether it's like chicken or tuna or the gar- or garbanzo beans, okay? And then I eat, put a little vinegar and a lot of olive oil in there, and that's so why I make sure I get fat, carbs, and protein. I eat one of these every single day. Ever since I've eaten one of those, the best things I can say is I have a flow to my body. If you know what I'm saying, everybody, I'm not sick. I have so much. I eat these and literally feel energized afterwards, David. Now, I've heard that pinto beans are better than the garbanzo beans. Now, uh, it all depends. Now, pinto beans are phenomenal, everybody, but I will tell you this. Nothing is better than garbanzo beans in terms of uh, your body being able to break down the protein and using that protein to actually rebuild muscle tissue. If I lift weights, I need the garbanzo beans because I actually, guys like us that go heavy in the weight training. Now, I, I only weight train like twice a week. But those are ridiculous days. Today is one of those. I'm doing an upper body day. Anybody wants to come down the East Bank Club with me, I'm going to throw up some serious weight. But uh, basically, when you see protein listed in a vegetable, a non-animal protein, 99% of those times, that's kind of like filler protein. Okay? it's Your body doesn't break it down. Take those amino acids, amino acids and break down on your body. They're still better for you than like uh, simple sugars and all that other stuff. Uh but garbanzo beans, pinto beans are phenomenal for you. Black beans are also good. But if you're lifting weights, eat garbanzo beans, people, because it's the only uh, protein where the, your body can break down those amino acids and replenish it into your body. 
That very few beans, and I, and I know black beans actually do that too. They're on the list of being very good for that. But like, uh, like the there's a few beans that do nothing like that for you. Like the ones that are pork and beans. What are those? Those regular, not kidney, but the the red beans. It's just red beans, right? Yeah, they're just red beans. Yeah, yeah. like none, like your body breaks none of those down. But it's better than you know eating a bunch of stuff that's going to make you, you know, extremely sweet and going to make you fat, make you uh, and make you lethargic, folks. So. uh when coach is away, I'm going to continue to give out these these health tips. The seven color diet, uh, a, a, a delicious salad eaten every single day with all that stuff in it will get you skinny. I promise you. I've got all those colors in my lunch, every single one of them. And, and, how you, and they're different things because I'm I'm also following Joel's advice. I hit him up for tips every single day. Mm-hmm. So in my lunch consists of I've got a veggie burrito type concoction. It's got chicken in it. It's got brown rice. It's got uh, red yellow and orange peppers in it and black beans awesome okay awesome that sounds delicious by the way that, it that, does. that's the main one okay. then i've got a mixture of broccoli and carrots uh-huh. which i'm going to steam and eat and then i've got a mixed green salad that's got radicchio in it what's uh, that that's uh red lettuce okay okay it's got uh it got red lettuce it's got spinach and it's got romaine in it and that's got uh garbanzo beans mixed in oh excellent see now that's getting it done and now and, and David isn't like, I owe it all to Joel. He's never said anything like that. But I just want to let you know, it means a lot to me that you actually would listen to some of my advice. I mean, it means a lot to me. You know, I'm a, uh, he, David got that way because of me. I'm not saying David got that way because he busts his butt and cares about his body, his future, his life, and his family every single day. Okay, you want to be around for your kids? You want to be able to pick them up and throw them? David's going to be able to do that when he's 60 because he takes good care of himself. David Olson, peace out for a real good work. Coach will be back, everybody, so you don't have to listen to me solo next week. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll be back next week. Two guys in the mic.